Happy Sunday, everybody. How are we doing today? If you're a Bulldog fan, can I hear you louder? There we go. Hey, um, it's great to be with you. We're praying for all the LSU fans because we're going to have to wreak vengeance on them. Anyway, no, we're uh, so glad to be with you today. Um, as Pastor Avery said, we are starting a new series, and I am so excited about this series because um, it's about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is one that we don't talk as much about as we do uh, about the Son and the Father, but it's one of my favorite subjects um, about God. It's one of my favorite things to learn about. It's one of my favorite things to speak to you about. And so I know that God's going to do something great uh, through this series uh, called The Third Person. And so, um, but before we dive into this, I just want to let you know about something that you might not know we do here uh, at Victory Hamilton Mill. And that is on every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30, we gather together in the chapel and we pray. And we just begin to believe God for all kinds of different things, for the different ministries that are going on, for our services, for the work that we're doing in the community. We are, we are petitioning God and believing God to do something great. How many of you would like to see God do something great through our church here in the Hamilton Mill area? Amen? Well, I want you to receive this as my personal invitation for you to come join me on Wednesday night at 630 uh, and it's, it's just 6.30 to 7.30. It's a real quick one hour. And uh, let's gather together. And let's believe God to do something great. Amen? Amen. All right. As we dive into this series, uh, before we do, I want to just open us in prayer. Would you, open, would you close your eyes and let's pray? Father, thank you so much. We thank you, God, for your love, for your power. God, we thank you uh, for the person of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would come and you would lead us into truth today. You would open our hearts, uh, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might see who we are in you, who you are in us, and the power we have in the kingdom of God. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles out and open to John chapter 14. We're going to spend most of our day today in John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, but those are three different chapters in the Bible to us, but they are one experience uh, with Jesus. It was about 12 to 15 hours before he was going to go uh, to the cross that he's gathered in an upper room and uh, he's gathered with his closest friends, his disciples. And he begins to have this interaction with them and they're just, they're eating and they're, they're having a good time and then he starts doing some things like he kneels down and washes their feet. That was very out of the ordinary. Then he says to them, he, he takes bread and he breaks it and he gives them the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Then he pours a cup and he says, this is my blood shed for you. Then he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Then he goes on to this famous verse that we quote often. And he goes, greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life. And as he kept talking, the disciples started realizing, hold on, we're not just having dinner hanging out. He's telling us he is leaving. And then they start panicking. They start freaking out. They start wondering, what's going to go on? And how are we going to do this without him? And then they start fighting amongst, amongst each other going, well, who's going to be the greatest among us? 
Now that he's going to be gone, who's going to be the greatest among us? Who's going to be the one that we look to? Because Jesus is leaving. And it was in the midst of that chaos that Jesus spoke very kind words to the disciples. In John 14, verse 18, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I love how God knows exactly what to speak to us in our time of need. He knew that they were distressed. He knew that they were worried. He knew that they were afraid. And he knew that they were trying to process, what are we going to do without you, Jesus? And he's saying, hey, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He goes on to say in in, uh, John 16, 4 and 7, he says, I did not tell you this earlier because I was with you every day. But now I am on my way to the one who sent me. Not the one of, but not one of you has asked, where are you going? Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again. This truth, it is better that I go. It is better that I leave. And the disciples are shocked by this statement. They're looking at each other going, How is it better that you're leaving? It's not better. Are you crazy? It's not better. How is it better, Jesus? And he goes on to say this. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. If I don't go, the friend won't come. If I don't go, mankind will not be redeemed. If I don't go, there won't be a place prepared for you. If I don't go, there will be no one sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you all day and night. So it is better that I go. It is better that I go and be with the one who sent me. But I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. This was Jesus' promise to us. It was his promise to the disciples in that moment. You are not going to be orphaned. You are not going to be left alone. And it is our promise today. We have not been left alone. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit. So when Sherry and I were, our kids were a little bit younger, and we would go out for an evening or whatever, we would actually, as we're about to go out, they would say, they wanted to know three things. Where are you going? When are you coming home? And who are you leaving us with? That's what they wanted to know. And if we had the right person that we were leaving them with, they were super excited. Y'all go ahead and go. Have fun. Because we're going to have fun here. But there were certain people that we were leaving with. They're like, oh, can you come back sooner? Can you come back sooner? So they wanted to know that. So did the disciples and so do we oftentimes. They wanted to know of Jesus. Where are you going? He says, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to go be with the one who sent me. Well, when are you coming back? And he says, I I, I will be coming back, but I'm not going to tell you the time. But here's my promise to you. I will come back. That's my promise. I will come back. And then they said, well, who are you going to leave us with? And he said, when I go, I will send another. You will not be left alone. And that promise to us was the promise of the Holy Spirit. He gave us that promise of the Holy Spirit. And so today, the Holy Spirit is still with us. So as we start this new series called The Third Person, as we mention the very words, the Holy Spirit, there's, there could be many reactions here in the room. 
The first reaction could be people that are going, yes, finally they're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Woo, let's go. Are you out there? Yeah, there you go. There could be people in here that are saying, you know, I've never heard much about the Holy Spirit, but I'm open. I would really like to learn more about Him. And then there are others who are resistant to the things of the Holy Spirit because what they've seen is a little bit of extreme expressions of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, those expressions feel weird to me. And I don't want to be weird. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't want to be weird. But our heart's desire today as we dive into this series is that we give you a balanced view of this person called the Holy Spirit. So we want to introduce you to him. We want to introduce some of you going, I've known him for many, many years. I have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's great. Hopefully we can go deeper today. Some of you have never met the Holy Spirit. You've just heard about him and you want to meet him. You're going to get the opportunity to meet him today. And some of you have had resistance. And I'm hoping that today that we can take away that resistance and we can take away the weirdness and, the, and all the stigma around it and say, hold on, what are we really talking about? So that's our hope today. That's my desire today. So let's... I want to introduce you to him, so let's, let's ask this question. Here's the, the, the title of our sermon today is, well, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? First point is, he's a person. He's a person. He's a person. John 14, if you'll look at your Bibles in John 14, we'll start with verse 16. And that, There's some things that are emphasized in this passage, and I want you to hear them. I want you to see them stand out. It says, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That's, I want you to remember this word. Listen for the, this word helper. You'll hear it several different times. You'll hear it four times actually. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So here's what I want us to recognize just in these two passages of scripture He is not referred to as an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's referred to, he's referred to as a he or him. You know why? Because we can't have a relationship with an it. We can only have a personal relationship with a person. That's right. And so God wants us to have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. It's not something out there. It's a person for us to relate to. He is a him and a he. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring, you, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So sometimes you're wondering, where's that verse? What, what did God say? I, I just can't remember. Just ask the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll remind you. He'll bring it to your remembrance. He'll, he'll bring it to your, to your mind. Verse 15, I mean, uh, chapter 15, verse 26 It says, but when the helper, the helper is a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, and somebody who stands by us comes, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to come and bear witness or to testify 
of Jesus and to draw attention to Jesus. Uh, John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So there's this, there's this person of God. The Father came. I want you to see it this way. The Father came and, when he, and he created man. And when he created man, he, there was a perfect relationship between man and the Father. There was no brokenness in this relationship. And then sin entered the world and it broke the relationship. But God so wanted us to relate to him. It's, the, it's our purpose for existence on the, on the face of the earth. Is to relate to God. And so God wants us to relate to him so badly that he always makes a way for us to come to him. Always. God the Father makes a way for us to come. And so he sends his son Jesus. And Jesus comes to the earth, and here's, here's what we remember Jesus saying. I do what my Father tells me to do. I say what my Father tells me to say. I draw all the attention of the people, and I turn it to the Father. Why? Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. I'm the way to the Father. And so God made a way for us. He sent his son Jesus. And then when Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession, that's a big word that basically means to stand in the gap. Jesus stands in the gap for you and me. All day, every day, day and night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Time never lapses. He is in God's presence. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's advocating for you. He's talking to God for you. He's standing in the gap for you. It's like he's a bridge between us and God. And we can literally come boldly into his presence because of the work of Jesus. Because of his work. So he's there. And he goes, but you, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a helper for you. I'm going to send somebody that will come and will testify of me. Someone that will come and magnify me in the eyes of the people. And so he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like this huge magnifying glass. The Holy Spirit is transparent. We can see through him. And what he draws attention to, what he hovers over, what he draws our attention to is to Jesus and the work of Christ in our life. The Holy Spirit gets us to turn to Jesus who gets us to turn to the Father. Can we see how that works? One God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to God, the Father. God wants to relate to you. He wants to relate to me. And sometimes we have this idea that the Holy Spirit is weird. Can I just tell you something? The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. And I guarantee you, if they are weird with the Holy Spirit in their life... They were weird before the Holy Spirit came into their life. But sometimes we see this expression and we think it's weird. It may not be actually weird. It just may be different than what we feel comfortable with. But we look at it and we blame their actions on the Holy Spirit. And we say they act that way because the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Let me ask you this. I have some friends who are A-lister celebrities. 
I have seen people, I've been in their presence when people come into their presence. They're powerful people in our society. They're just celebrities. They're not really powerful, but they are celebrities. And so they're standing there, and I've seen people literally like, oh. When they walk into their presence, they walk in and they're just like, oh. They're just taken back. We've all seen people walk into the, into the presence of powerful people or well-known people, and people act a fool sometimes. Can I tell you, my friends don't cause those people to act that way. They don't. That's what people do in their presence. And sometimes there are things that look crazy to us and the way people respond to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and we blame the Holy Spirit instead of going, that's that person's response. To the Holy Spirit. And so therefore when we blame the Holy Spirit for their actions. We take a step back like this. It makes us afraid of him. Well who do you think wants us to be afraid of the Holy Spirit? I mean think about this. Who do you think wants us, wants us to be afraid of the Holy Spirit? Satan. Why? Because he knows what happens when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He knows what happens when you and I have relationship with the Holy Spirit, and so therefore He wants that part of God to be uh, uh, held into one place by one gift, one expression, one gift of the Holy Spirit. And we go, oh, I don't know if I want that, so I'm going to stand over here. And therefore, by doing that, we push back all of the Holy Spirit. And God says, I sent Him for you to draw you to Jesus so that you can be drawn to me. You see, the work of the enemy tries to get us to stay away. And so we begin to focus on one part of the Holy Spirit. We focus on one gift called tongues. And we say, I don't know about that. That feels weird to me. I don't understand that. So I step back and stay away from it. So I push back. And, and we have theologies out there that say, those, those days are past. They're not for today. They are for today. The Holy Spirit is for today. He is so for the day. He's the one that Jesus sent when he went to uh, sit at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to us. And he will remain with us for the rest of eternity. But we've said, I'm going to isolate this part of God because I don't understand this thing called tongues. And so we look at it from the point of evidences. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Well, I like to look at it this way. Let's look at the benefits of the Holy Spirit. Because there's more things about the Holy Spirit than just one gift. That one gift is important. We're going to get to it in this series. We're going to get, we'll have a whole weekend where that's all we talk about is that one gift. But there is so much more to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive what? Power. Power for what? To be witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, the, the Holy Spirit came. They spoke with other tongues, and 3,000 people got saved. They had the power to witness. And guess what happened? When the power to witness came, where did the Holy Spirit draw people? To Jesus. They drew them to, he, he drew them to Jesus. They were saved in that moment. So there's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's love. 
1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, we have the grace gifts and the power gifts. And in between 12 and 14 is this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's known as the love chapter. He's saying you can have all of this, you can have all of this. But if you don't have love, it's just sounding brass. It's just, it's just noise. But man, if you have this and this with love... It's powerful. There's also the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. These, these are the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine of them that, that should be reflected in our lives. And it says, when we are walking according to the Spirit, this will be the fruit of our life. This is the way you can know. The Scripture never says that a person will be judged by their gifts but it says that they, you can judge a tree by its fruit. So when somebody's filled with the Spirit and they're living according to the Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. You will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then lastly, there's the gifts. So I want you to imagine this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. You can go and read all about the gifts. But I want you to think about this. Think about the gifts that God's given us. Each one of us have gifts. Every single one in this place has them. Whether you've recognized them or know them or identified them or not yet, but you have some. There are some gifts that God has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have them. So some of you may have, have the gift of healing, and when you pray for people, they get healed. Some of you may have the gift of prophecy and that you hear uh, the Lord speak. Some of you may have the gift of leadership. So when you lead, it says, hey, if you have the gift of generosity, give. If you have the gift of leadership, give. If you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy. If you have the gift, do it. That's what he's saying. But can you imagine those gifts coupled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? That these gifts come out of a place of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness, self-control. Can you imagine those gifts bathed in love? That I walk in these gifts not so I can show you that I'm powerful, but that because I love you? Can you imagine what would happen if this group of people right here, there's hundreds of us in here today, if we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive His gifts, we receive the fruit of the Spirit, we walk in love, we will have power that will draw a broken, dying world to Jesus. Guaranteed. The world's waiting for us to walk this way. But we can't walk this way without the Holy Spirit. We can't. It is impossible for us to. Why? Because it's, it comes from Him. It's, the, it's, it's what He brings to us. He brings these things to us. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Let's read uh, John 16, verse 12 and 13. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. If you ever wonder if God still speaks, just read this passage of Scripture again. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And He doesn't speak to our head. He speaks to our heart. 
He speaks to the innermost part of our being. He speaks to our heart. Why? Because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's not going to speak to our mind. He's going to speak to our heart. And He's going to lead us into truth. He's going to lead us into truth. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and is our helper. He's our intercessor. He's our counselor. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. He's the one that leads us into truth. He's the one that leads us to Jesus. He's the one that connects us to Jesus, that connects us to the Father. He is the one that leads us to connect and to relate to Jesus. He magnifies Jesus in our life. He comes to testify of him all the time, day and night in our lives. It is his comfort, his counsel, his advocacy and help that enables us to experience all that Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to do this. I want you to think about this. Think about the God of the universe. He never, ever leaves us alone. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I will not leave you alone. And every minute of every day, as we walk, we take a part of God with us. When we go into our boardrooms and we need to make decisions, we have God with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. And if you wonder what to do, just stop and ask Him. You know what I don't know what to do right now? Holy Spirit, would you just guide me in this moment, in this decision? Mom, when we're sitting in our kitchen with our, with our kids and they're asking us questions and they're trying to understand things or they're hurt or they're, their hearts are broken and they're standing there and you're going, I don't know what to say to them. Just ask the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will tell you what to say. Husbands, if you want to know how to encourage your family, how to encourage your wife, how to speak life, and you don't know, it's okay if you don't know, just stop. You have somebody who does know. If there's a part of God that you want to understand and you don't understand, ask the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into truth. He is with us always. That is the kindness of God to us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us. So the Holy Spirit is a person But he's a person of the Godhead, so he is a person and he's God. He's a person and he's God, and he is our helper. So let's take a little more, a deeper look at this word helper. Number two is he is our he's my helper. John 14, 25. We've read this before, but I'll read it again. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. He is the helper. He's the one that comes to help us. We read it in all of those passages before. Four different times we heard he is the helper. He leads us into truth. He comes to help us. But what does this word helper really mean? What does it mean? By the way, it's it's the Greek word parakletos. Parakletos. It's a compound Greek word. has a double meaning to it. Para means alongside. Para means alongside, and kletos means to come. So in other words, the Holy Spirit, para kletos, comes alongside us. Do you know that this is the same word that, that is spoken of in Genesis? When God says, I will give Adam a helper that is suitable for him. The ladies in here are going, I knew I was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I knew it. You're not. But sometimes his voice sounds like yours. Here's the thing. 
All the ladies say amen. Here's the thing. God didn't design women to be in front of men. He didn't design them to be behind men. He designed them to be beside men. Right side by side. Just like he designed and gave us the Holy Spirit not to be in front of us, not to be behind us, to be right beside us. And as we walk through life, he's right beside us. And whatever we have need of, he's there to give it to us. Wisdom, comfort, counsel, truth, whatever it is, he's right there beside us. And he comes to lead us in those ways. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send another person to come alongside you and to help you. So what does he help us do? He helps us live this Christian life. Some of us are, we got saved by grace, but now it's up to us. Now it's up to me to just gut this thing out, to grind this thing out day and night. So I'm going to get up early in the morning and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to do all the right things. Why? Because I want to be in right standing with God. So I'm going to get up and do the stuff. But yet inside of us, there's this, uh, you know why? Because we're still doing it in our own strength. And he's going, hey, if you will listen to me, I will guide you. And when you read the Bible, there will be revelation in it. And when you pray, you will hear my voice. And when you listen, I will lead you into truth. Instead of us grinding it out and gutting it out and trying to walk this thing out, he enables us, He empowers us for this Christian life that we live in. And we don't live it according to our own strength. We live it according to the power of the Holy Spirit, day in and day out. The second thing He does is He helps us know what to say and what not to say. Many of you in here, if you've never actually formally invited the Holy Spirit into your life, probably you still have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've just named it something different. You've named Him something and you're going, something told me I shouldn't say this. <laughs> something told me I shouldn't say that. Something told me I should go do that. That something is not something, it's someone. We just need to learn to listen to him. Because sometimes, how many of you have been around people and they're just going, mm, I shouldn't say this, I, 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 I really shouldn't say this, and then they say it. And then they follow up with, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. You're right. Something was telling you to shut up. <laughs> that something is someone. That someone speaks to us right down here. He speaks to us down here. And can I tell you, if you learn to listen to this down here, he will lead you in a very powerful way. He wants to speak to you. Jesus still has things he's trying to say to us. And he's saying it to us through the Holy Spirit. That's who he's speaking to us through now. It's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us day in and day out. From morning to evening. Nighttime. He's praying over us. Standing, standing in the gap for us. Uh, in heaven while we sleep at night. And while we live out our lives in the daytime. So he comes to tell us what we should and should not say. Sometimes, you, you know, when you uh, are asked to pray, anybody ever been asked to pray in a group of people, in a circle of people, and you go, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. Don't ask me. It's, so, it's, 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 it's a little bit entertaining sometimes to ask Christians to pray because we all go. <laughs> and we're looking like, somebody going to pray? 
I don't know what to pray. It's okay. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. He will tell you what to pray. When somebody asks you, instead of getting afraid, just go, hey, man, the Holy Spirit's inside of me. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. He leads me. He speaks to me. Holy Spirit, what should I pray? There are no perfect prayers. So pray what the Holy Spirit stirs in your heart. And sometimes we pray. Have you ever been praying and you, and you actually pray a verse and the person that you're praying with or somebody in the group comes back and goes, man, I, I read that verse this morning. That verse spoke so deeply to me. And when you prayed it again, it just reminded me. It strengthened me. It encouraged me. Anybody ever had that happen? Well, how do you think out of all the verses in the Bible that you happen to choose that one verse to pray that day? How, how did that come? Through the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit loved the one that heard it and wanted to speak to them again. Remind them what the Word of God says, what God says to them, what God says about them, who they are, what power they have in the kingdom of God. This is what the things of the Holy Spirit will speak to us. So He'll help us know what to say and what not to say. The Holy Spirit also brings conviction. He brings conviction into our lives and Here's one of the challenges that I've found as we talk about this word conviction is a lot of people who are believers think that conviction and correction are the same thing. Well, the Holy Spirit came and He convicted me of this. And what they're really saying is He came and corrected me. Now, does God correct us? Absolutely, He'll correct us. But conviction and correction aren't the same thing. Conviction simply means this. It means to convince so the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of some things. And He wants to come to convince us of some very specific things when He comes. And let's read in John uh, chapter 16. We'll start in verse 8 and read 8 and 9. It says, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Of, and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in Me. The first thing that Jesus comes to convict us of is sin. He comes to convict us of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. Why? So that we will turn to Jesus and believe in Jesus and receive the work of Jesus in our life. So he does come to convict us of sin, but it's not just to come correct us. It's come to point us to Jesus, the one who redeemed our sin. So he wants to come and say... Hey, there's sin in your life. There's a, there is a need for a Savior. Why would God convict us of sin? Because if we don't know or believe that we have sin and have a need of a Savior, we won't turn to Him and get saved. If we don't know that, we won't turn to Him and get saved. You can't get saved until you know you need a Savior. You're not going to just turn and get saved until you recognize I have sin in my life, and this sin separates me from God. It's not that sin makes me a bad person. It separates me from God. And Jesus came, paid the penalty of our sin, so that now we're not separated from God, but we can come back and be connected to God. So the Holy Spirit will come to us while we are sinners... And He will convict us of our sins so that we know we have need of a Savior and that we will turn to Jesus and get saved. The second thing that He will... Um, I want to tell you about my salvation experience. I had need of a Savior all of my, all of my life. 
But I remember when I got saved. It was an October night in 1976. I was eight years old. I can still see the church as clear as I can see you. I can still smell the building. And it's been a minute since that, that night. I can still smell the building. I can see my pastor's face as clear as I can see your face. It was a transformational moment in my life. And I remember standing there and my pastor gives his altar call. And he's asking for people to come who want to uh, get saved and get to build a relationship with Jesus. And I'm eight years old. I don't remember what he preached about. But I do remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me at eight years old. And I yanked on my dad's sport coat. He had on this tweed sport coat with leather patches on the, on the uh, elbows. And he looked at me and I said, I want to go get saved. He said, what? I said, I want to go get saved. He said, okay. So he takes me down. And, and I, can, I can still remember when we get out of the aisle. And then we turn out of the pews and we turn and we walk towards the pastor. I can still see his face. It lit up. When our pastor, Pastor Don Pye, when he would lead people to Jesus, that man was fully alive. It was the thing that he loved to do more than anything. And I remember walking towards him, and he knows why we're coming down there. And he's looking at me, and his smile is so big and is so bright. And, he's, and he takes a step towards me, and when I come down, and he says, What are you here for? And I say, I want to get saved. And he just laughed. Not laughing at me, but just laughing out of joy and excitement. And he prayed with me, and he smiled the whole time he prayed with me. I will never forget that moment. That was the moment when the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and my need of a Savior. And when I responded to it, I was met with love from my pastor, excitement from my pastor. Here's what 1 Corinthians 12.3 says. It says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. Why? Not to condemn us, but to get us to turn and see our need for a Savior, turn to Jesus. The second thing He comes to convict us of is righteousness. John 16.10 says He comes to convict us of righteousness because, because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. He convicts us of righteousness. I know that it's easy for us to believe that, Jesus, that, that the Holy Spirit can convict me of sin. But how many of you have felt lately He's coming to convict me that I'm righteous? He's coming to convict us of our righteousness. He's not coming to correct us. He's coming to convince us that we are righteous. Righteous is not an action. Righteousness is a position. It's a position that we step into when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's not based on our works before salvation. It's not based on our works after salvation. It's not based on what we do. It's based only on one thing. What Jesus did. The one and only finished work of Jesus Christ. And when we get saved, we are cleansed. And the Bible tells us that God remembers our sin no more. So when we get saved, we are now righteous in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes to tell us we have need of a Savior. And then once we receive Jesus as our Savior, He comes to tell us we're righteous. 
He comes to tell us we are in right standing with God because of the work of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be convinced of that. He wants us to know that. Some of us are trying to get right with God by doing right. It's not our work that gets us right with God. Never has been and it never will be. It's only because of the work of Jesus that makes us stand righteous before Him. So can you imagine what it would be like if every single day we got up and we said, Man, I, had need of, I have need of a Savior. Thank you, God, for sending me a Savior. And every day we come and the Holy Spirit says, And you're in right standing with God. And because you're in right standing with God, you have power, you have the fruit, you have the love, you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit that flow through you. Why? Because I'm in right standing with God because of the work of Jesus and the coming and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. How would we live differently? How would we live differently if we actually knew I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? How would we live? What decisions would we make? How would we make decisions differently? Would we come back and go, if I do all the right things, I'm going to be in right standing with God? Or do we say, I do the right things because I'm in right standing with God? And the Holy Spirit guides me and He leads me and He speaks to me and He helps me walk out this righteousness day in and day out. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you've received Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. God doesn't come to convict us The Holy Spirit doesn't come to convict us of right living. He comes to convict us of right standing. And I hope if you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear that. I hope you hear that. I hope you know that. The third thing that he comes to convict us of is judgment. John 16, 11 says he comes to uh, convict us of judgment because of the ruler of this world is is judged. He convicts us of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. He says in John 12, 31, Now that the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us and to convince us that Satan, who was the ruler of this world, has been cast out and has no more power. That's what he comes. I want you to know this every single day. The Holy Spirit comes to say, Satan has been cast out and he has no power over us. He has no rule over us anymore. The ruler of this world has been cast out. But here's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy causes us to to accuse God sometimes. The lie of the enemy causes us to look at God through incorrect lenses. Here's what the lie of the enemy would say to us. The Holy Spirit has come to convict you that you're a sinner. And that you're not living right. And that God's going to get you. That's what Satan wants us to believe. That's why he wants us to hold the Holy Spirit out here. He, has this, he feeds this narrative in our mind that comes to say, You're a sinner. You're not right with God. And he's going to get you. And so our fear of God is fear of retribution. 
not reverence and awe. But the Holy Spirit comes, and it's, this is the truth of the Holy Spirit. He convicts me I'm a sinner without Christ. He convicts me that I am forgiven and now righteous by grace. He convicts me that Satan has been defeated and has no authority over me. Let this go deep in your heart. This is what the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of. I'm a sinner without Jesus. I need Jesus. But because of the work of Jesus, I've been made righteous by grace. And Satan has no authority and no power over us. I don't know what that does to you, but that makes me say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That you are a person that I can have a personal relationship with. That you are God. That you have come to help me. That you have come to convict me of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. Let's say this together, William. I want you to say this, and I want you just to let it, I want you to meditate on it for just a second. I want you to let it go down inside of you. The Holy Spirit convicts me I am a sinner without Christ. Let's say that together. The Holy Spirit convicts me that I am a sinner without Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. Let that go deep inside of us. If you don't know Jesus today, you've never known Him, the Holy Spirit is here to convict you that you have need of a Savior. You have need of a Savior. There's no condemnation in that. It's just the truth. I have need of a Savior. I want you to say this with me. The Holy Spirit convicts me Say it out loud. The Holy Spirit convicts me that I am forgiven and now righteous by grace. Let that go down inside of you. If you have accepted Jesus, you are righteous because of the work He's done, not because of the works you do or don't do. You are righteous by grace. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you of that. Then I want you to say this with me. The Holy Spirit convicts me that Satan has been defeated. And he has no authority over me. If you get up every day and you say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my day. I thank you that you bring conviction that I am a sinner without Christ. But I have received righteousness through your grace. 
and Satan has no authority over me today. Imagine how you're going to live life. You're going to approach it very differently. Would you stand with me? I want to ask our prayer team if they'll come down. We're going to go into one more song. We're going to go back and sing Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to ask of the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask Him to fill this place. That every time we gather, we are listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus, to convict us of our righteousness, and to remind us that Satan has been cast out, been defeated, and he has no authority over our lives. But today, some of you have held him at, at bay because you've gone, he's weird. That's weird. That's weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's loving, he's kind, he's powerful. And you need, you need to just say, you know what, I want, I want to renew this relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'd like for somebody to pray for me. I want you to step out right now. You can go ahead and step out. If you have other needs and you're saying, I, want, I just want to receive prayer. For, it doesn't matter what it's for. That's what we're here for today. We want to respond to that. But the rest of us, let's just believe God. Will you believe God with me? For the power of the Holy Spirit to fill this place, to flood this place, to fill every single one of our lives and to fill every single part of our being. Would you just lift your hands if you're saying, yes, I'm in for that. Let's just lift our hands. If you want somebody to pray for you, you can go ahead and step out. But Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us fresh and new today. That the Holy Spirit would, would take away uh, all the, the weirdness that we have placed around Him. And that He would show us and He would lead us into all truth. That the Holy Spirit would stir our hearts. That the Holy Spirit would draw us to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and move in great power in our lives. In Jesus' name.